Please have a seat. Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, as Matt said, we are launching a new series today. We're going to talk about some fools, and we're going to put them on parade. And we're going to look at some characteristics over this series of these fools that we find in the Bible. It gives the, the Bible gives clear descriptions of folly and the profile of several fools that live out different versions of it. And so we're going to be walking through this. Uh, when you see the Bible's profile of the fools, uh, you, you recognize them. And if you're like me, you see them in the mirror. <laughs> you recognize traits of these fools in the mirror as you think about your own life. And so I want to encourage you as we walk through this, it's very tempting to see the caricatures, to look at the profiles and start saying, mm, oh, I know that one. <laughs> His name is <laughs> fill in the blank. But I encourage you, work to, to apply this to yourself first. And then, and then begin to think about helping other people if that's appropriate at all. Probably, probably isn't. Um, we're going to look at these profiles in the series because they uncover the source of much frustration and many counterproductive strategies. So we're going to take a step back today. Before we get into the profiles, we're going to start the profiles of the fools next week. And we're going to look at the easy way fool. But uh, before we do that, we want to look at why we do what we do. You know, what, what we say and do comes from somewhere. And so we're going to look at why we do what we do in life. And in the Bible, what, what you find is God's given us a topography of our hearts, the highs and the lows. He, he helps us track what's going on in there. And often our behavior seems like uh, it's a string, a string of random choices that we make in response to what's going on out here in our environment. But it, and actually it springs from the inside of us. There's what looks like a fun movie coming out this summer called Inside Out from Disney Pixar. And I'm inadvertently giving them a... Uh, promo this morning because I think it's so fun. We're going to look at the, uh, not inadvertently, okay, I mean to do it. <laughs> I, I don't know if the movie is going to be good or not. I'm, not. I'm not stamping approval on the movie or its message or what it's trying to communicate, but the picture that they paint is a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that makes a movie excellent is that it rings true to our experience. So we see on the screen what we feel in our hearts or what goes on in our own lives in some way. And so what, what this, the writers are trying to do and what the director is trying to do in this movie is they're trying to show what's going on inside of us that affects what we do and what we say. So let's, let's watch the trailer together. So, how was the first day of school? It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever look at someone and wonder, what is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure mm -hmm. did. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <laughs> Signal him again. 
Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, you got be kidding me. For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? School was great, all right? What was that? I thought you said we were going to act casual. Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude, old no, man. No, 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 brief. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. DEFCON 2. I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pop? Yeah, well, look. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. The foot is down. The foot is down. <laughs> Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. <laughs> Come, fly with me, Gachinha. <sighs> All right, well, there you go. I, I had to show that because I, I think most of us would agree that what shows up on the outside in our words and actions comes from the inside. And the movie shows how the emotions of those, those little characters inside the brains were joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. And the movie shows how those emotions are driving what we say and do. Now, what the Bible does is it shows us deeper roots to the choices that we make in any given moment. And so we're, we're going to look at that in, in a while. But how helpful would it be to have an accurate look at what's going on inside? Very, very helpful. The Bible gives a clear picture of this. And so we're going to begin to look at that today and uh, what, what you find in the Bible is that what we say and do flows out of our heart. Not, not our brain, but our heart. The heart in Scripture is the real inner me. It's, it's the cockpit of life, sort of like guidance central. It's guiding, you know, cockpits telling the plane, they're directing the plane wherever it goes. That's what the heart is in Scripture, not just the pounding muscle of flesh that's pumping blood throughout our system. It, it's, it's the guidance center of our life. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. All of my actions, all of my reactions, all of my choices, my words, my thoughts, my strategies, they flow out of my heart. Jesus basically said the same thing. He, he said... That our heart is sort of like a reservoir. He didn't, that's not a direct quote, but the picture he painted was the good stuff comes out of our heart and the bad stuff flows out of our heart. It's like a reservoir that we tap into and it flows our words and actions, our thoughts, they, they flow out of our hearts. This is why we're told in Proverbs 4.23, guard it carefully. You've got to guard your heart. Um, you get the idea that we need to put our hearts on 24-hour surveillance. And the longer I've walked with God, the more I realize that, how true that is. 
We, we have to guard our heart, our thoughts. And if we can deal with them at that level, we're doing a lot better. Now, we, we go to the doctor probably once a year to monitor our heart, to, to get a physical, to get checked up, to see if the ticker's doing okay. At least I do. I try to go once a year. Uh, and he, you know, he listens to it. He does all kinds of stuff, checks my blood pressure. Went to the eye doctor the other day. And they wanted to check my blood pressure. And I thought, uh-oh, wonder, wonder why the little screen told them to do that. You know, I got, got a little worried. But anyway, the doctor checks up and monitors it once a year. Well, our hearts, the guidance center of our lives, needs to be monitored constantly. We, we have to watch out. And so if we're going to develop a heart that produces good, God really wants to help us do that. We, we have to watch out. What's going on in there? We have to pay attention to it. Uh, the Bible gives a, a lot of understanding in terms of what's going on inside of us uh, so that we can monitor better. It really gives us an x-ray into the human heart so we can know why we do what we do. And what you find is that we have three heart problems that are sad, S-A-D. It's an acrostic. Have you ever said something and you wondered, where, where did that come from? Or, or you've done something and it didn't even make sense to you and you think, what was that all about? Yeah, I, I have. The Bible's x-ray shows us that flowed from our heart. And there are three things in there, selfishness, arrogance, and damage that create what comes out of our heart. It generates at least what comes out of our heart. This is why our words and actions can make others sad and we end up sad ourselves because of these three things. The word folly in this verse here, uh, Proverbs 22:15, it says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. That word folly there is the S in sad, S-A-D. It's, it's, it's selfish. It's from a Hebrew word, which is eveleth. You don't have to remember that. That's the transliteration. But it translates into a stubborn self-centeredness that says, I want my way. I want what I want. Uh, We're born with this in us. It says folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Uh, It shows up early in life. We could give you a tour of a couple classes this morning, and you'd, you'd see it pretty quick. You see that, that I want that toy right there and I'm going to get it. I'm going to take a, make a move to get that toy. Um, the verse says the problem is bound up in our heart, which, which means literally to tie, it's, it's tied to us, which doesn't, which doesn't sound, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not embedded in our heart, but it's tied to our heart and it can be trained out of us. This is the assignment of parents to train selfishness out of the kids. Uh, because, frankly, when we start out, uh, we are deeply committed to living life our way and getting what we want. This heart problem is so r- deeply rooted in us that we don't even notice it as we, as we live out the strategies that, that make it happen. So uh, that's the first Heart problem. The second and third are from Ecclesiastes 9.3. And it says, 
Also, this is the last half of the verse. The hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Now, these, these two problems are embedded in our hearts, and we're going to have to deal with them until the day we die. So they're just there. It says, you know, they're, they're in our hearts while we live. And so we have to always, this is why we need to keep our heart in check and monitor our heart, because we're always having to deal with these tendencies. Um, the first one is arrogant, and it's translated madness in this passage, because it's, it's really crazy to exalt yourself. The word literally, it's hallelah. Sounds a little like hallelujah, which, mean, which means praise the Lord, but it's hallelah, which means praise yourself, self-praise. And that's, that's what's, what's madness is. The, the scripture recognizes that everything we have, all the strength, all the power, all the life that we have is from God. And it's just madness to praise ourselves, to set ourselves above God, or even above anyone else. It's, it's madness. And God takes that personally and goes toe-to-toe with that. So you want to avoid that. That's why it's, it's crazy to do that. But uh, this is the tendency to make ourselves more important, the most important in any given situation. So I want my way, and I deserve my way. In this room right here, in this circumstance right here, I deserve to get what I want, and so I'm going to go for it. Third heart problem is found in the same verse, damaging. It's the Hebrew word ra, R-A. And uh, it's translated evil here, but literally it means harm. So I don't want to hurt you, but since I deserve what I want, I will hurt you if I have to to get it. That's, that's the way the three heart problems flow. In practicality, all of us tend to lash out. We have this native tendency to lash out when somebody blocks our goal. We have we want something, we don't get it from them, and we tend to run over them to get what we want. These three things are guiding us and showing up in our words and actions. Selfishness, it can be trained out of us. It's not easy. All the mind's not gone, okay, I'll admit, right now. It could be trained out. Arrogance and damaging, the tendency to damage, it's there, and we have to deal with it the rest of our days. It's a side of us that's going to be a lifelong battle for us, and it shows up in uh, family life, in our marriages, with our kids, work, here in church life. It's this, 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 stuff, this stuff's there. Um, these three things drive the strategies that people use in order to get what they want. And you can find, it's fascinating, you can find a profile in the scripture of five different fools who are committed to these strategies. And what happens is when we allow our hearts to follow, when we allow our hearts to pursue what we want without restraint, we end up developing this strategy that is very harmful, and we experience a tremendous amount of struggle. These five fools that we're going to look at, they come out of a study that my mentor, Harold Bullock, did once a long time ago now, 
was way back there. But uh, he pastors a church in Fort Worth, Texas, and in the metroplex there of Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, the prosperity doctrine is very prevalent, and that is uh, the idea that if you just have enough faith, then God's going to make your life come together, and things are going to really go well for you. And so in that context, he decided to do a study and get into Scripture and find out exactly what God said in the Bible was success. What's the Bible's definition of success? How does God see success? What does that look like? And then uh, how do you get there? How, how, do you, how do you begin to live that way? And what he found is wisdom is the path to success in Scripture. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective and make good choices in the moment as you move forward in life, as you handle relationships, responsibilities, and challenges. It's this ability to make a choice that pleases God, first of all, and then a choice that helps you move forward in uh, whatever stewardship you're, you're operating in, in whatever area of life you're operating in. So wisdom, as he studied wisdom, he learned some tremendous things, but he also began to look at its opposite, which is folly. And he figured out that there are nine Hebrew words for folly or fool in the, in the Bible, for fool. Nine Hebrew words. We have one English word, fool. <laughs> there are nine Hebrew words. Um, fool in our language, in our culture, tends to mean somebody who is mentally deficient or silly or, you know, you just, you fool, what are you thinking? You know, that was silly. Um, in the scripture, it's somebody who's morally deficient. So fool is a moral deficiency because at their heart of hearts, they're not factoring God into the circumstance that they're dealing with at any given point in time. They're not thinking about God. <laughs> they're like, hey, I got my strategy. I want my way. I deserve my way. I don't care if I hurt you. I'm going to get my way. And they're trying to figure it out on their own. So in this series, we're going to look at Five fools that use strategies, specific strategies that flow out of these sad hearts that, that we all have. And I want to introduce you to the characters right now briefly, and we'll get more acquainted with them in the next few weeks. But here's a quick summary of each of the five fools. Uh, these are the five fools we meet in the Bible. Number one is we'll call the easy way fool. Uh, ease is the most important thing to them, and so their strategy is to find a magic key that's going to unlock the easy way to make things easy in life. This is what they look for. Number two is the reactive way fool. This fool uses anger, upset, manipulation to attempt to control others through their emotions. Uh, the third kind of fool is the fun way fool. Uh, this, this fool totally ignores consequences and they're driven by blind desire to just, this looks like fun, I want this, I'm going to do this. And then they experience the life-dominating problems that come with that lack of restraint. And so we'll look at that strategy later on. But the first three of these fools, they flow out of the aveleth folly. The, the word in uh, Proverbs 22:15 for folly is aveleth, it's the sad, the S, the selfish. 
These, these three flow out of particularly being uh, selfish and, and giving in to, to self-centeredness. Uh, the fourth fool is we'll call the glory way fool. Uh, the fool always wants to be the center of attention right now. I got to be the center of attention. Um, their strategy is to push ahead, to step on to step on people if they have to along the way, and it's it's a devastating way to live for the people around this fool. This fool majors on the halala folly, the self praise, the arrogance. Uh, number five fool is the predatory way. The most dangerous strategy is this one, and. Um, we can't deny, all you have to do is watch the 6 o'clock news or the 11 o'clock or whatever clock it is, and you, you know there are predators out there. And there, this is in the Bible. There are people who are committed to a predatory way of life, and they, they really enjoy when others are in pain. This fool flows out of the raw, particularly, the damaging part of the sad, sad heart. If you look at the front of the program or on the screen... You can see the characters. This is Ian Dale, the, the guy who does our graphic design. Uh, a few years back, we did a series on the fools. It was a long time ago now. Uh, but we called it the Meet the Mockers. And because all of the fools mock God, they mock his ways. And so he did some characters. This is an updated version for the, the Fools on Parade series. Uh, which one of these guys do you think is the easy way? You may already know, but which one do you think is the easy way? Just take a moment to think about that. Easy ways, looking for the magic key, kind of lazy, you know, doesn't want to really do too much, do as little as possible. Uh, how, how about the uh, reactive way, the controlling way? Pretty, pretty easy to see on the screen. The fun way is there. Um, the glory way, no surprise, she's taking a selfie. <laughs> and the predatory way, you can see the guy lurking in the back, <laughs> the predatory way. Uh, That's pretty fun uh, to look at that. Each week, we're going to parade the fools by you, and we'll be fleshing out attitudes and characteristics of these five fools so that we can know how to identify foolish tendencies in our own lives and discover the path to change, because God really does show us the path. He shows us the way to wisdom, and actually you find out he is the way to wisdom. Uh, the problem, though, in all of this is that a sad heart creates life-dominating problems. If we just give in to our heart, it creates real problems for us. James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something. Uh, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, you do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There's a boatload of wisdom in that passage right there. There is a bunch for us. It shows us that we have desires inside that are driving our behavior. And we actually have both positive and negative desires in, plus and minus. They're battling. And when we give in to the sad desires in us, then there's a great deal of conflict. This is where it comes from. When we get selfish, 
there's a tremendous amount of conflict in our lives. Passage shows us the core problem, the core reason we're struggling like this. We don't ask God for help. We aren't asking Him. We're relying on ourselves. We're trying to figure out how to get what we want the way we always do. And we're working our strategies without checking in with God and what He thinks and trying to please Him. This is a major characteristic of all the fools. Every fool is trying to get what they want without considering God, who happens to be the number one factor in every situation, every circumstance that we're dealing with. And the reason you're foolish is because you're not paying attention to God because you think he's checked out. That's what fools do. That's what these fools do. They, they're trying to get what they want without realizing God's involved intimately in the details of our lives, and he's really checked in. He's paying attention to what's going on. This leads to all kinds of animosity and frustration. That's what you see in the passage. When people don't give me what I want, I get angry. And when I work my strategies on other people to get what I want, they get angry. Animosity. Frustration comes because nobody wins. In the middle of this, nobody wins. Because we don't reach our goal that we intend to since our actions are so counterproductive. And they ruin relationships. So there's, there's a bunch of trouble there. There are some problems that flow out of our hearts. We've been looking at them. The good news is that God wants to change our heart, show us the way of wisdom. He, he wants to work with us. And that, that's really good news. He hasn't given up on us yet. But Proverbs 9, 10 through 12, uh, lays out something very, very important. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and, your years, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Now, here's a contrast between wisdom and scoffing. And what you find in Scripture is, in the matter, God, God is a very gracious, loving, kind God. But the way he's wired life together is that if you don't live wisely, you get beat up. So if you, if you scoff at God and don't live his way, you pay the price for it. It's just built into the way life works. And so there's this contrast here between if you're wise, it says you're wise for yourself. That's good for you. Life goes better. If you scoff, you suffer. So we, we don't want to do that. Wisdom's the opposite of folly, as I said before. Without God and the wisdom that he provides, foolishness and the consequences of foolishness become all we have, and there's little hope for, for improvement. But God wants to give us wisdom. It begins, it says, in this passage, with the fear of the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord sounds like an old-fashioned concept, but this is what it means. If you fear God, you take him seriously, and you stay within the boundaries that he set for life. You take him seriously, and you do life the way he says to do life. That's what it means to fear God. 
And the, there's sort of a word picture that helps with understanding fear of the Lord related to wisdom, and it's like you're tunneling through a mountain. I don't know if you've ever tunneled through something, uh, but when you tunnel through and you get to the very end, there's that point when you can start to see the things falling down, you know, if you're tunneling through a mountain or maybe a hill you've created or something, I don't know, little boys do this. You, you tunnel through, and then all of a sudden things start crumbling, and it gets thinner and thinner, and then you can just punch through. That punch-through point, that breakthrough point is, is fear of the Lord. That's when you begin into the realm of wisdom, is when you choose to fear the Lord. And uh, since this is the case, God begins to guide you into more and more wisdom at this point. The contrast in this passage is between wisdom and scoffing and the fruit that comes. Scoffers or mockers who have a prideful approach to life and don't fully believe that you need God. This leads to suffering. The fruit is bitter. It doesn't taste good. It's hard to swallow and it brings no nourishment. Wisdom will bring a blessed life. The fruit of wisdom is good. It provides sustenance for all of life. And this comes because you align yourself with God and the way he's designed life to work. To keep growing in wisdom, we need a new heart. <laughs> we, we, need, we need heart surgery, um, a transplant. And there are several places in the Bible where God promises to give a new heart to anyone who will trust their life to him. He, he will give us a new heart. What happens is, when you decide to follow Jesus Christ and give your life to follow him, he gives you a new heart. There's a passage in Ezekiel. There's some pictures in the New Testament about just being born again, getting a whole new life. Uh, and that, that's what happens. We, we get a new heart from him. If we will turn from going our own way to go God's way, if we'll turn from going our own way and commit ourselves to follow Jesus Christ, which is fear of the Lord. That's what it means to fear God. We turn from living life our way and decide to live life God's way. And we choose fear of the Lord to take God seriously and to do life his way. We get a new heart. His whole, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and you know the difference. Because one of the ways is your sad heart becomes apparent. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that. That was selfish. Hmm. That's, that's how I recognize the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. Shouldn't have done that. Boy, that was arrogant. Ooh, that thought, that thought makes me cringe. Just the thought of how arrogant you are. And, and you know, yeah, I know you, you think you deserve it, but you really shouldn't have heard him like that. You shouldn't have said that. And so the Holy Spirit comes in. And he actually not only starts refereeing our hearts and helping us win the battle, but he also motivates us to do good. He <clears throat> I, often, and this is unexplainable if you know me very well, I just want to do good. I just want to show kindness to people. I want to love people. That's not, that's not natural for me. But the Holy Spirit just leads us to do this. And the picture you see in scriptures from the day from the day you decide to follow Christ to the day you die is that these these desires battle in you and we choose which ones win. So you give your life to Christ, you get a new heart and then you begin. It begins. God begins to restore you 
and you choose over time uh, which desires are followed. And that's how you develop and grow. Following Christ is the way out of folly into wisdom. It means that you choose the fear of the Lord. If you haven't yet uh, chosen to follow him, I hope you'll consider it. I hope you'll think it through and investigate what it means to follow Christ. When you turn your life over to Christ, you're forgiven for your stubborn, independent approach to life that's represented by the sad heart. God begins to change you from the inside out, which is where the problem is. It's not out here, it's in here. God begins to change you from the inside out as you continue to cooperate with him. He will do that. If you can identify any selfish arrogance or damage in your approach to life, God wants to help you move forward. He wants to help you move beyond the frustration. So I invite you to come back for the rest of the series, and we'll look at these profiles. I think you'll find it interesting and incredibly meaningful and helpful to you as you set out to live life. I'd like to ask the worship team, if they would, to come up and continue leading us. And if you would, take out uh, the connection card in your program. That'd be great. Please take the time to finish completing any information or next steps that are on there. And then when the offering ushers come by, you can drop that in the offering. That'd be great. Here's some next steps that I'd I'd like to uh, encourage you to take or to consider taking this morning. Uh, The first one, my, my next step today, is to ask God to show me the connection between my frustration and my sad heart. Ask God to show you the frustration. He'll be faithful to do that. If you ask God to speak to you, he's faithful to do it. And so ask him to show you the connection. Maybe as I've been talking, as we looked at scripture, something's come to mind and a a frustration, some animosity. Uh, Ask God to show you the connection there. The second step, for the very first time, I give my life to Christ and follow him as Lord and Savior. I'm going to I'm going to break hit the breakthrough point into wisdom. I'm just I'm I'm ready. I've got my questions answered. I know this is right. I'm going to give myself to him. And then another step would be to to attend the rest of the series with us and as we look at these profiles. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word and so and how helpful it is to us, God is as we understand what's going on inside of us, and as we understand the way you've made life work, uh, it really gives us the perspective we need to live. So, God, I pray for the power we need to follow you today. I ask that, God, you'd give us the, the strength to take the steps of obedience that you've laid on our hearts to take. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.